Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Pinecker, and guess who's back? Benjamin Lee for our Tuesday talk series. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is awesome. So I'm really enjoying this and getting to know Benjamin. He's a really cool dude. About to graduate from Harvard University, uh, Harvard Law School. Uh, originally from Linden, Utah, graduate of Brigham Young University as well. Decided to, uh, right around COVID time, decided to write this book called Pride and Paradox, Exploring Christlike Humility and the Struggle to Defeat Pride uh, by Benjamin Lee. That's the name of the book. And so this series is kind of roughly, uh, loosely based on his book and maybe some of the influences he's had. And so one of the things that Benjamin, we wanted to talk about today was you had mentioned previously that the format that C.S. Lewis used to tell stories, but do it in a fictionalized account was a very yeah. uh, interesting thing. And you never even, even wrote fiction before, but you decided yeah. to emulate C.S. Lewis. So I just want you to talk to me about one, um, the influence that C.S. Lewis has had on your life and yeah. the influence that C.S. Lewis has had on your book. Great, yeah. Um, my, my family moved to Virginia from Utah for a year when I was in fourth grade. I, I talk about that a little bit in the book. And um, during that time was the first time I ever remember reading. My mom took me to the library because I didn't have any friends in the new, the new state and got the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and read it in like two days. And I, I think ever since then, I've, I've tried to read everything I could that C.S. Lewis has written. I don't think I've quite finished it, but I've, I've come pretty close, I think. Um, and yeah, I think I often say The Great Divorce is my favorite all-time book. I think it's just such a beautiful um, description of, of what's most important in life and, and what really makes heaven heaven and, and what things kind of stop us from, from letting heaven into our life right now. And I think the reason that that was so impactful on the book that I'm that I've written is that uh, I think most of kind of the conversations in the great divorce can be traced back to pride. That's what's kind of keeping people uh, in hell and stopping them from getting to heaven, which is kind of the, the main idea of, of that book. Hmm. So you, uh, you had mentioned that you really, as a kid, got in really interested in C.S. Lewis. And so you read a lot of his books. Now, maybe mm -hmm. talk about some of the books before we get into like the great divorce that's influence on your book. Why don't you talk about sure. some of the other books of C.S. Lewis's? And I think you might even have a few copies with you. We can maybe yeah. talk about have been influences on your life. Yeah, I, I think I just grabbed the four that I actually quote from in the book. So we've got, I don't know if you can see that very well, The Weight yeah. of Glory. Um, which is nonfiction, uh, just kind of a, a series of addresses, which are really good. The screw tape letters, which I think you said is your your mm -hmm. favorite. Um, I sometimes say the screw tape letters is the analog, like the same as the Great Divorce, but it's kind of from the devil's perspective instead of from. I, I like the Great Divorce a little better because it's more about heaven and less about the devils and hell. But they're they're both awesome. This is the Great Divorce, and then Mere Christianity, which I think is. Um, probably impacted my theology third only to the the bible and the book of mormon and just how i how i think about who god is and who who christ is oh that's very interesting and what i love benjamin is that part of the purpose of this channel is to seek out the convergences of my world yeah. with your world and of course c.s lewis is kind of adopted as an evangelical writer but there have been many um, people within the LDS tradition who really, really have warmly embraced the writings of C.S. Lewis. 
So why don't you tell me what influence mere Christianity had on your theology? The, the thing I love about mere Christianity is that Lewis takes an academic approach to faith and he, he connects things in ways that I hadn't thought of before. And apart from the specifics of the connections that he makes, just that, that method of thinking, I think has influenced me a lot. And I think when you combine kind of his analytical philosophical type argument approach to faith that he uses in mere Christianity with my legal training and with the lay ministry in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it, it just makes me think about faith in a way that if there are things that don't make sense to me, it's my first response isn't, uh, that's because they just don't make sense or that's because someone else misled me. No, I, I try to reconcile those things that don't make sense. I try to think hard and, and um, see if I can be the one who, who kind of clarifies things for the next person. I, I think that's something that's really beautiful about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that uh, because we don't have, um, you know, like career ministers and priests, it's it's kind of the job of all of us to, to think hard about our faith and to do uh, in, in our own small way, because none of us will, will be as smart or brilliant or a good writer as C.S. Lewis, but but try to make sense of things that don't mm. don't make sense. Interesting. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit more now about how the great divorce um, influenced your book and why you decided to kind of emulate it as well. Yeah, so the, the great divorce for people who haven't read it, the basic idea is there's a protagonist who starts out in hell and it's his journey to get to heaven. And throughout that journey, he has a handful of conversations with different people. Um, some of whom are trying to help him get to heaven, some of which are just him observing conversations between angels and other people who, for various reasons, choose to stay in hell rather than going to heaven. Um, and, and I really loved the, I think dialogue allows us to pull out ideas and clarify things in ways that just straight pros can't, because you don't need to say, now I'll address a counter argument. You can just have different characters kind of address different points of view. Um, and I, I really didn't want to write something that was just, you know, me telling you what I think about something. I wanted to ex like, I wanted to explore the struggle and, and the, the different arguments about uh, what's true and what's not. And so, uh, yeah, I think just borrowing that, that concept of dialogue and borrowing the concept of um, these characters don't need to all be, all be real. I can, I can kind of embody a perspective or embody a different idea uh, into a character and then kind of play with that through dialogue. And um, I certainly didn't do that nearly as well as Lewis did, but I think it's a really powerful um, storytelling device and, and uh, doctrinal analysis device. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I find, like I said before, you know, I, I like the idea that you're using C.S. Lewis. And I have my friend, Jonathan Neville, who wrote the book, Infinite Goodness, um, Joseph Smith, Jonathan Edwards, and the Book of Mormon. And people within the LDS community are rethinking Jonathan Edwards as a result of this book, because before it was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God was the only sermon that was known. Um, I like the idea that we can have these conversations with each other with our, our with our writers as well. 
I'm, I'm just curious, do you think that there are LDS writers that you really like that maybe evangelicals or outsiders might be able to gain some insights from? I know this is putting you on the spot, but I just wonder, is there, is there, is there like an LDS writer that you would say, you know what, Steve, I think this would be a good writer for you to read? That's interesting. I, I haven't read as much as I wish I had. My, most of my reading is the, the general authorities, the scriptures, and then I, I read a bunch of classic literature and philosophy and okay. C.S. Lewis. And so I, awesome. maybe that means I don't really have business writing LDS theology stuff because I haven't, you know, engaged with the literature as much as I should have. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that I don't have a, a better answer. I'm sure no, there I, are lots of great writers. Out there. Yeah, no, I'm always, I'm always curious to have these conversations to kind of get insights, but you said you're really influenced by the classics. So why don't you tell me some of the classics that you really like? I think the, the dialogue idea, but before I comes both from, um, C.S. Lewis and from Plato mm -hmm. and his, his writings, especially, you know, the apology of Socrates uh the republic there's a whole chapter in the book that's um kind of my own take on plato's cave and how that kind of gives us insight into what it means to have a direct experience with the divine mm -hmm. and how i feel like that is the surest foundation that we can have uh for our faith if, if you can have a direct communion between you and god uh that's something that you can always kind of hang your hat on even when when doubts come like well I, I did have that experience and of course there's there's nuance and possible pushback to that but that's been been my experience that when um there are challenges to my faith i can always go back to the the direct experience with the divine mm. um you know you had mentioned before that you were a missionary in ventura california and i'm just yeah. kind of curious i i'd like to know just kind of what what was that like for you? Did you have much interactions with people from other faith traditions? And uh, did you even sometimes use your knowledge of C.S. Lewis as a means of trying to build bridges with maybe people who were also Christians? Uh, just tell me some of the interactions you had with people outside of your faith tradition as a missionary. Yeah, I, I don't think C.S. Lewis played a huge role in that. At that point, the extent of my reading was you know, halfway through Mere Christianity and the Chronicles of Narnia. So I don't know if I could, maybe I pulled out Aslan one time as a good, you know, good. Way, to, way to think about Jesus. But I, I taught in Spanish mostly and um, taught mostly Catholics. Okay. Um, I, I just had really beautiful experiences with people who, I, I think they had a faith tradition, but they, most of them weren't super active in their faith. And it, it was such a powerful thing to be able to tell someone in broken Spanish, God loves you, Jesus loves you, and, and come, come to church with us and sing hymns with us and pray with us and, and you know, let God fill your heart with his love. That th those are kind of the memories that I look back on and really cherish from my mission. And just, just feeling the love from, from other people, from very uh, humble, poverty-stricken areas where they were still happy and they were still kind and they had you know these these beautiful relationships within the family um really affirmed my faith and affirmed my belief that um god loves all of his children and that there's something just inherently good and true about you know love but between people um 
that like, you know, even that alone, I think would be enough to get me to believe in God. Mm. You know, I was thinking, you know, I was kind of contemplating our conversations and the idea of pride. And one of the things I thought about was how, you know, you and I both come from privilege. You know, we both have had the opportunities afforded to us that many, many people don't have. And when let's just talk, talk about the, the idea of us being prideful and dealing with pride when yeah. so much has been given to us as well and so many opportunities that nobody, that many people don't have those same opportunities and, 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 and reflect on that. Yeah, no, that, that was, a, I think, a big impetus for, for writing the book is, is just thinking about, man, I've been given every possible advantage and I still struggle with all this stuff. Why, is, why do I not you know, give back and try to help the people who haven't had that advantage? Um, I think all any of us can do is is play the cards we're dealt as as best we can, and so I I don't find it super productive to you know wallow in guilt about our our privileges. I think we should be cognizant of it, and we shouldn't try to deny it or hide behind it. I I certainly I, I think just having loving parents who believed in me is the greatest privilege you know any anyone could have and then gave me a huge advantage in life that I'll never you know be able to to pay back but um I I guess just what we were talking about the other uh, in our in our last conversation of if if at least I can do a little better moving forward at trying to lift people up around me and never trying to you know elevate myself over them have that in my mind of my my goal going into these interactions and in this social setting is to try to make someone else feel better about themselves and not try to draw attention to me and um I think that's a small thing that I'm not very good at yet but that um in the few times when I have done it it feels like I'm I'm getting a little closer to Christ I'd I'd love to hear what what insights you have on that question it's a really interesting question yeah you know um I just think when I was younger you know I grew up in the wealthiest town just outside of Chicago in the wealthiest town in the state of Indiana growing up as a kid that's the world I grew up in so I there was this sense of you did kind of feel like you were superior to other people just because you had a lot of things other people and we lived in a general area that was like at Gary Indiana nearby so you had uh, poverty and there was a blue collar you know steel mills and so you kind of had this sense of you know father was a businessman and and so it, it I fortunately wasn't too bad but a lot of kids in my community are just were just so bad about mistreating people that were, you know, they would make fun of people that were poor, or, you know, that's the kind of world that that I grew up in. And I just really feel like, you know, really bad about maybe some of the things that we might've said and done as kids towards people that were, you know, didn't have the means that others did. And, um, you know, so I think I can see why there would be resentment to, towards people um, sure. that are wealthy from people from, from the, that don't have the means that we do. And I can kind of understand why what we've seen in this country, some of the anger that's out there is because a lot of it's the pride and arrogance of people like us that maybe rubs people the wrong way. And so we need to be cognizant of that too, you know, just to, to right. Lord, you know, uh, keep me humble and, and uh, let me just be appreciative of you and what you did for me. And, uh, and, and just yeah. recognize that a lot of this, a lot of what I've accomplished was a lot of it was handed to me too. Right. Yeah. I love that. And, and, one big theme that I kind of found as I was studying the life of Christ is that, you know, trying to be Christ-like is never about getting even or, or having it be fair. 
So if, if you come from a privileged place and other people are resentful about that and they're, you know, trying to pull you down or trying to diminish your accomplishments, I think it's a, you know, the natural man tendency, like from Mosiah 3, that, you know, we're going to tear them down too. And that's just fair. That's just getting even. But if, if we're taking seriously our commitment as Latter-day Saints to take upon us the name of Jesus Christ, and I think there's a similar uh, idea in, uh, you know, ac across all Christian faiths that we're trying to emulate the Savior, um, it, it's not about getting even or it's, it's not about what's fair. It's about, um, you know, submitting to God's will, submitting to truth, submitting to other people insofar as it's, it's good for them and trying to do in our own small way uh, what, what Jesus did and, you know, saying, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. So you, a while ago, you, had, you came across the verse, Lord, is it I? And that's what kind of caused you to be on this journey that ultimately led to the book, Pride and Paradox. Pride and Paradox. Uh, Benjamin, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final words you'd like to share with my audience? I would just say I'm, I'm so grateful we got to talk about C.S. Lewis today. If you're trying to decide between reading my book and reading something by C.S. Lewis, please read C.S. Lewis. It's much better. Um, but I'm, I'm just uh, grateful we got to talk again. And, and thank you so much. Well, thank you, Benjamin. Thanks for coming on. I just want to remind my audience to make sure you like and subscribe. So when a new video comes out, um, you'll be informed when you hit the notification bell. So make sure you do that. Uh, just a reminder, we are on all the major podcast formats now. So you can listen to us as well that way. And folks, uh, I just checked my data, 5,000 downloads in the last 30 days. So that's growing. And I was just trying to be a YouTuber. So thanks again. And I want to thank my Patreons. Uh, for supporting financially supporting my channel. And if you'd like to do the same, I will provide a link for our Patreon page. And remember, you can just reach me at mormonbookreviews at gmail.com and you all have yourself a nice day.